Good morning. I'm glad to be back, back with you this morning. Uh, we're going to be coming out of Luke 15, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up there today. Um, but we're going to start out with the first kind of thought to kind of get us started today. And the first question is, the first thought I want you to have this morning is, think of a time when you lost something valuable. Okay, you can take this however you want to. You think of a family member, maybe, a friendship, a relationship, maybe it's your car keys. I have a, I used to have a really bad time of forgetting my car keys inside of my truck. Uh, you only, I, I, I say you only do that once, I did it twice, okay? I locked my keys in there, you, you do this thing, right? You pat all the pockets, you know they're not there. And they're in the truck. That's one of the worst feelings that you could possibly have. you got to call the police or call AAA or whatever. they got to pump your door open. It's not a fun experience. One time I was taking a group of teenagers to Panama, the country. Uh, there was about eight teenagers and two adults. Uh, it was about 5.30 in the morning in Memphis. Uh, I thought I was there early enough. I was wrong. The security line was huge. And I was kind of stressing out we might not make our flight. Uh, it was 5.30 a.m. in Memphis. We're in line, we're about halfway through, I'm talking, this line is huge. And I look back to one of my teens and he says, I lost my boarding pass. I'm like, man, how did you lose your boarding pass from the counter to where we are currently? I I was so frustrated. Thankfully, his dad was the other volunteer I had with me, so they ran back to the counter. He had left, I guess he had put it down when he put his bags down. And I was like, man, how could you lose something that valuable? That is your ticket to Panama. Could you imagine if we get to the doors, they're running there like Home Alone style, the doors are about to close, he goes to hand him his ticket and he doesn't have it? Oh man, I don't like thinking about that. Uh, that, that kind of stuff stresses me out when it comes to youth stuff, but you've all been there. The reason why I bring this up is because it's a, it's a relatable experience. We've all lost something valuable in our lives, whether it be things or people or relationships, we can all relate, and I want you to hold on to that feeling this morning. It's a little uncomfortable. I want this to be uncomfortable this morning. That kind of dissonance within your body of losing something that is valuable. And I think uh, this is a relatable thing that we're talking about and we're going, oh wait, this is the next picture I want to show you. I forgot to put this in here. Uh, This is us at SunQuest and today we're talking about Luke 15. We're talking about lost things. That was the theme for, uh, for SunQuest this past year. Holly was there. Anybody else that I'm not seeing this morning that was at SunQuest? It was awesome. This is, this is a youth event, but I highly recommend anybody go to SunQuest. I know Tyrone and Denise have been before. It's a great, great time to, to celebrate what we did but, uh, this past weekend, but it's a great experience, and we were talking all about loss, and I just wanted to show that great picture of our group up there, because we did have a great time talking about loss, and we are coming out of Luke 15, but like I was saying, um, the reason why I think that Jesus uses the example that he uses in Luke 15 is because it's a highly relatable feeling. Okay, The feeling of losing something is something we've all been through, and Jesus brings this parable starting out here in Luke 15 to kind of make that connection to us like he will for us this morning. So we're going to read Luke 15, verses 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders 
and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so this is a familiar passage. I'm sure you're very familiar with Luke chapter 15. But sometimes I think when we read about this and we hear the word lost, it sounds like a very churchy word. You guys have heard this in church before, right? We need to seek and save the lost. Do we know what that means? It's almost like one of those words, I'm not in a business like setting a corporate America, but like words like synergy. What does that even mean? It's just a word people say. Right, you have those words, right, that, that people throw out there and they're kind of just fluffer words. And sometimes I think the word loss can be a fluffer word for us. Because we just say, oh, we need to seek and save the loss as if they're this like faceless, motionless group of people that exist somewhere elsewhere than here. And I think that when we read Luke 15, Jesus is trying to shatter that idea completely. Because the lost are not some faceless, motionless group of people elsewhere. The lost are among us. The lost are everywhere. And Jesus uses this relatable feeling, this relatable action of losing something, the shepherd losing something, to reinforce this idea that the lost are not just a fluffer group of people who don't exist. They are real people, and we need to care about them. But my real favorite reason why I like this is the way that Jesus begins this teaching, okay? Let's read this again. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. You ever mutter before? This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus is all around these groups of sinners. And it's not just the tax collectors and the sinners that are the quote-unquote sinners, right? We can lump these Pharisees and teachers of the law here. Jesus is this magnetic personality that people want to be around him when he's saying stuff. It's not just the people who are away from the law. It's the people who seem to be with the law who are also away from the law. Jesus is gathering around all types of people, all types of sinners, right? And at this point, this is where Jesus really flips the script for people. This is what he says here in Luke chapter 15. Suppose one of you. And and if you're familiar with the way Jesus teaches, he usually doesn't do this. Usually he sets up a scenario and he allows the listener to kind of enter how they please. Right? If you continue reading in Luke chapter 15, we're not going to do that today. But if you look at the lost coin in verse 8, he says, suppose a woman. Right? Suppose some lady. Right? And then in verse 11, he says, there was a man who had two sons. He sets the scene and he sets these people up as different groups. But what I love about the parable of the lost sheep is he says, suppose one of you. He doesn't give you an option whether or not you're going to participate in this story, right? You are in the driver's seat. You are the shepherd. You have a problem. It's not some woman searching for a coin. It's not some man who's got a lost son. You are the shepherd, and you have a very serious problem. And as the shepherd in this story, you have to go and get your sheep. It's only a problem that the shepherd really cares about. If any of you were a shepherd and you came up to me and said, Jimmy, Jimmy, I lost one of my hundred sheep. I'm going to say, man, I'm really sorry to hear that. But don't you have 99 more sheep? Like... 
That is not my problem. That is a you problem, right? That is your sheep. That is your problem. And Jesus is telling us, you are the shepherd and you have a problem. And we know how the story goes. It's very short. The shepherd finds the sheep and he calls his friends to celebrate. They have a party. They rejoice. The thing that was lost is now found. Let's celebrate together. Let's party. Great. And we could end there today and I could say, guys, go seek and save the lost. But I think sometimes that's how this is treated. And I think sometimes that word lost gets lost. And if we don't put ourselves actually in the footsteps of the shepherd, we're going to lose what Jesus is trying to communicate to us this morning. Let's see how Jesus is speaking to us, okay? Um, the, he, he tells us that this is our problem, and I think our, the, the question that we have to kind of answer is, how do we respond as people to what Jesus is saying to us? We have to embody this right here. Suppose one of you. How do we respond? I think there's two things that we need to do in response to what Jesus tells us here in Luke chapter 15. The very first thing is we need to see this as our responsibility. Very simple, very plain. But if we are the shepherds, the lost sheep are our problem. You with me? It's not the, the minister's problem. It's not the elder. We call our elders shepherds. But if we take what Jesus says really to the heart, it's not just the elders who are the shepherds, right? We are the shepherds, and we do have a lost sheep problem. We have to see it as our responsibility. My question for you is, what is a shepherd without any sheep? It's just a guy who hangs around animals, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what a sheep is. I mean, would that be the equivalent of me going to the zoo? Right? I'm not a zookeeper because I happened to go to the zoo one day. But if you are a shepherd who is constantly losing sheep, and I know in this parable you're saying, well, it's just one sheep. But if you are a shepherd losing sheep, that's like your only job. You can't lose sheep. That is what you do. Your name <laughs> identifies what you do. You are the sheep herder. What is a shepherd without any sheep? This is a question of identity. And that's what I think Jesus wants us to see here, is that if we are losing sheep, as shepherds, we're bad shepherds. And if we are Christians and we're not pursuing the lost, we're bad Christians. If we are not doing exactly what Jesus is doing here in Luke 15, going to the tax collectors and the sinners and being amongst them, we are not good Christians. We can't just come here on Sunday morning and say, I'm a shepherd because I care for the lost. Or I'm a Christian because I care for the lost. We have to be Christians because we do something about it and we have responsibility in that way. It's about who we are. It's our identity as people now. A shepherd without any sheep is a bad shepherd. A Christian who does not care for the lost is a bad Christian. And we could get so many things out of this parable. We can say, well, sometimes I am that wandering sheep, right? And sometimes I do need my brothers and sisters to throw me over their shoulders sometimes and take me back to where I need to go. Sometimes I'm part of the 99 that the shepherd leaves behind because I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm following the shepherd's voice. Sometimes I'm good. But right now, this morning, I want us to put our shoes on as the shepherd and walk in their shoes and say, what about our identity as Christians is really, I guess, symbolized in how much we love and care for the lost. And I'm going to say, for me, that really hasn't been part of my identity as a Christian in the way I think it should be. Right? 
I deeply care for people. I deeply care for, you know, <laughs> the people that I, that I surround myself with. But have I really stepped outside of my comfort zone to pursue the lost? Not as much as I could. And I think maybe some of you are with me in there. If we are not seeking the loss, our identity as Christians, I think there's a question about it. There's, there's something to be dealt with there. And this is how Jesus describes himself, okay? We are putting ourselves in the place of the shepherd, but Jesus himself does this as well in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus speaking. Why is he a good shepherd? I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not in the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. If Jesus himself embodies this idea of the good shepherd, we need to do the same. We need to have the same mentality right here. I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. We need to act as the shepherd in this way. We aren't striving to be sheepless shepherds, right? And sometimes that's what church looks like. We got a whole bunch of sheep in a pen. That's what they talk about sometimes when, um, a lot of times in youth ministry, especially the, the last church I was at, there's a lot of youth groups. And sometimes I get like 30 people showing up from different youth groups, but it wasn't like they didn't know the story of Jesus already. They would call it stealing sheep, right? Because they would come to your youth group, but then the next Wednesday night I have two people come because all my youth groups are their youth group now. And they would just youth group hop, right? Which is fine. I'm not, I'm not complaining about that. But those people were not the people we were going after and saying, okay, how can we tell the story of Jesus to this person who's never heard it before? And guys, I was at, when we were at SunQuest on, uh, last Sunday, we had a lot of people respond on that Saturday night, and a lot of them had never heard that story before of Jesus, which is awesome. And sometimes we think, how could you not hear that story ever in your life? It's because we haven't been embodying this idea of being shepherds. The idea of the lost has always been out there, but the realization has not always been taken hold of in the church, and that's what our responsibility is. But it can't just be a responsibility like I'm handcuffed to this thing, right? It can't be just a responsibility where it's like, okay, I guess I will say a prayer for my coworker, or I guess I will invite them to church one time. But this has to be about seeking with joy, Capital J-O-Y, right? Because, and Chase preached a couple Sundays ago, he, he nailed it with this idea of if you're going to be a Christian and you're going to invite people and you're going to tell people about Jesus, but you do it with like a blank face, why would anybody want to join up with you, <laughs> right? Did, and the thing is that I don't think Jesus did it that way. He's got people around him all the time. Is it because he's boring? And is it because he, he, he gives this message with like a dull face? No. It's because he's the good shepherd, right? And he does it in a way that's just so engaging and so life-giving that people want to be around him. That he is definitely seeking with joy. And we need to do the same exact thing. The question is, how does the shepherd receive the lost sheep? Do you guys remember? When he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. I have never slung a sheep across my back before. I imagine it'd be pretty difficult. 
I'd also imagine if I was the shepherd in this, in this scenario, I wouldn't be terribly happy that I've been looking for this one sheep. But see, that's how the script gets flipped here. And Jesus says that he finds the sheep and he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Joyfully. And what happens when he returns? He calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. If we are not seeking the lost with joy, we're not actually seeking the lost. We're checking another box, right? If we are just doing it out of obligation and we're not doing it to say, hey, I want other people to know the Jesus that's impacted my life, then we're not doing anything at all. This is what we need, this is what we're called to do. To joyfully put it on their, put, put those people on our shoulders and go, and I'm not saying pick up your friends at work, right? Don't do this. That's like a gross, you know, <laughs> encroachment on personal space. And I'd also say that there's probably some people in your life that aren't ready for this. This is uncomfortable sometimes, especially for those who might have walked away from the church, especially for those people who had maybe grew up in a church, had a bad experience, and have shunned the church ever since. Or they have these ideas that the church is A, a B, and C, in their mind. And that doesn't mean you give up. That doesn't mean you move away. That means that you continually be just a presence in their life, just like Jesus was. Do you think that Jesus, every single time he's around these people, it's a big Pentecost moment, and all these people are, you know, joining up with him immediately? I don't think that's how it goes. I think the cool thing about Jesus is that he was among these people for such a long time that they recognized him and saw him as a, as a source of encouragement that they kept coming back. They kept dipping their toes in the water to see what, what's going on with this guy that's so different. That's how we need to be. You are not going to baptize everybody you come into contact with. You're not going to be successful with everybody you come into contact with. But if you do it with joy and you actually seek after the loss, I think Jesus is going to do something in people that they never expected he would do. Seek the lost with joy. And, and even as I've said that so many times this morning, it, sounds, it, it almost sounds so churchy. I say, I say that sometimes because we've taken that word and we've made it something else. But I think if we embody this parable, it becomes less like that and more like what Jesus is calling us to do. To seek after something we actually love and seek after something we actually want to see come back to us is what we're being called to do. When seeking the lost, it's more about our identity as Christians. It's ponying up. It's having skin in the game as a Christian. And so I say this sometimes, this is very simple, but it's not easy. It's very simple to say, all right, I'm encouraged now. I'm going to have that tough conversation with that person. I'm going to invite that person to a Bible study. I'm going to invite that person to pray with me. It's a very simple idea, but it's not always easy. But I want to just say that if we do this together, it's much easier. If you have accountability, it's much easier. I went to a class at Equip this past summer, and David Hunzinger did a great class on how to have spiritual conversations. And the very first thing he said was, have accountability with other people that are also doing the same thing you're doing. 
And that's, that's also simple but not easy. It's about having those group of people who say, hey, I'm close to you, and I really, really want to have a spiritual conversation with this person at work, but I'm really afraid to have it. Will you keep me accountable to have that conversation? Sure. Will you keep me accountable to say, I'm going to uh, pray whenever I have a situation when someone brings me, like, for instance, this is just an example. I get the opportunity on Tuesdays to serve at Pantry, and I'm oftentimes outside walking with people to their cars, and a lot of times people just start talking to me about all the bad things that are happening to them. I'll just be like, how's your day? And they're like, well, my sister, my mother, and my father are all in the hospital. I'm behind on this. I'm like, that's a lot to tell a person you've never met before. But in those moments, it's almost like Jesus is there saying, okay, now it's your turn to pray for them. But guys, I'm the minister, and sometimes it's hard for me to want to do that because people are sometimes hard to talk to. But it's about having that mindset going in to say, you know what, the Spirit might lead me to do something today that I wasn't prepared to do. Help me to do it. Help me to have the boldness and courage to actually have those conversations and have those prayers and have those moments where I can share just a few moments with the Spirit with them. It's simple, but it's not easy. But this is what we're called to do. We're called to seek, and we're called to do it joyfully. Let's pray uh, this morning for some courage, because that's just where I feel right now, is that we need some courage, we need some momentum this morning to feel this as our responsibility, as our identity as Christians this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll continue singing. God, I thank you for this parable to make it so personal. This is really personal, and this is really uncomfortable. God, help us to be more comfortable in those conversations because we recognize it's not us speaking. We don't have to be so profound and unique, but God, it's you speaking through us. Help us to be mindful of that and help us to ask for moments where we can actually seek the lost and not a faceless group of people that doesn't actually exist, but the lost that are in our lives right now. Help us to be a source of encouragement for them and to do it joyfully, to spread your joy to them and to spread your love to them in any way that we possibly can. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If anybody has a need or if anybody has a prayer request, please come forward. If you have anything that you want to share with the church, please let us know as we continue to worship this morning.